Hi, you're listening to my mom, Kat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hey, my name is Kat Lee, and I want to welcome you to the Inspired to Action podcast. I hope this show is the pep talk that you need as a mom, a reminder that what you do every day is life-changing, and it matters more deeply than you could ever imagine. Out of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of your children because you are special and amazing and he has called you and he will equip you. So thank you for serving your family, for loving your children fearlessly and for fighting to be a great mom. This episode is for you. Let's jump right in. Hey friends, you're listening to episode number 92 and today we're talking about foster parenting. My friend Elizabeth Oates is going to take us into her journey, uh, how she got started as a foster parent, how it's impacted her family, and how we can begin the process, if that's something that we're interested in. Now, I know that a lot of you listening are like, I have very small kids. I have capacity for nothing else. But I challenge you to keep listening anyway. One, it will inspire you as you hear Elizabeth's story of where she came from, where she is, and where her family is headed. It is tear-jerking and really powerful. So I think that will encourage you, but even more so, maybe foster parenting is something that God will call you to in the future. Maybe it's something that he's called one of your friends to. And I think it's an important thing to hear the journey and hear the story so we can know how we can step in and be the church, be an encouragement to other families going through the process as well. So definitely keep on listening. But before we get into our conversation with Elizabeth, I want to say thank you to our show sponsor, Plan to Eat. You can go to plantoeat.com for a free 30-day trial. And coming up real soon, usually around Black Friday, they have their big yearly sale. Definitely stay tuned for that. And now is the perfect time to get started with them so that you can do their full 30-day trial and figure out kind of how it works for you, how it fits into your flow. And then you can take advantage of that big sale coming up probably in November. I can't guarantee that they've done it every year. Who knows if they'll do it this year, but it's a great deal. So definitely check them out. Go to plantoeat.com forward slash inspired to action, and you can get that free 30-day trial. All right, let's go ahead and jump into our conversation today with Elizabeth Oates. Hey, Elizabeth. Hi, how are you? I am good. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Oh, anytime. Happy to be here. Well, to give everybody who's listening a little bit of background on you, can you just tell us a little bit about you and your family and kind of what you do? Sure. Um, So I am married to Brandon. He's an attorney. And we have three biological kids. Um, Our oldest is Carter. He's 10. Then we have Clary, who is eight. We have Campbell, who is six. And then we are fostering a little girl who is one, and we call her Cece. I love it. And you, in addition to taking care of all these kids and being the wife of a husband who I'm sure is very busy, you also do a lot of writing as well, don't you? Yes, that's right. So I do some freelance writing and um, I write for our um, city newspaper or city magazine and uh, write a monthly faith column for them. And then I've also written a book um, for teenagers whose parents are divorced. It's called Dealing with Divorce. And then I have a second book coming out in January. It's for women um, with self-esteem, self-image. Um, and it's called If You Could See As Jesus Sees. And then also now working on a third book. 
I love it. So you write about really kind of lighthearted, simple yeah. topics. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Just, you know, light, uh, work, you know, reading your morning paper. Fluffy, fluffy. Coffee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I definitely want to do a podcast with you about the dealing with divorce book, because it's something that I'm sure that for all the moms listening, there are, there are many moms who are in that situation. And there are also a lot of moms whose kids have friends in that situation. And uh, definitely, I don't think it's anything that I've ever discussed before on the podcast. So that's something that for those of you listening, I want you to look forward to in the coming weeks and months, because I'm going to grab you for that podcast, Great. Elizabeth, because I think it would be such a blessing to people. Oh, good. Yeah. Unfortunately, it, it's a topic that um, if we're not dealing with it personally, then we know someone who's going through it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, you know what? So I actually heard a story the other day. I think it was John Acuff. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. Are you, do you know who I'm talking about? Have you yeah, heard of him? yeah, I okay. think that's right. Uh, I think it was him or it might have been somebody else. But anyway, he got on a plane and he sat down next behind or next to a couple teenage boys. And they got on the plane and they sat down mm-hmm. and they just started crying. And, and he got into conversation with them and realized that they had just left one of their parents and they were flying home to the other parent. And it was just the the idea that, you know, he, he, so he basically just encouraged parents in this situation to really, you know, consider, you know, how the kids are trying to be strong for their parents and be strong in the process and how it's just hard for everyone and to encourage the church to gather around them. And yes. it was a really powerful. I think it was just an Instagram photo or something, but it was a very powerful reminder uh, for all of us just to gather around people that are in situations like that. Yes, I think I saw that that same thing. And it it is, it happens more often than we realize. You know, people always say kids are resilient and and they are, but they have feelings too. Mm-hmm. And I think they try so hard to be strong and not to let their parents worry, but um but they do. They have feelings and they worry and, um, you know, they don't want to choose sides and, and, you know, there's repercussions from our decisions. Now, that is actually not what we're talking about today, though. <laughs> today, okay. we are talking about a topic that um, so inspired me. We had coffee, I guess, a couple of months ago, and you shared your foster parenting journey with me. Yes. And I just... I just love what you're doing. And I also love just the idea of the impact that you're making on her life and that she's going to make on your life. And I would love for you to kind of bring us into the story. You have three biological kids. Your life is very, very full. What led you to decide to jump into foster parenting? Because it's not easy. Yeah, no, it is not easy as we have found. We were probably, um, fortunately, a little bit naive. That was probably God's grace on us. Um, my husband and I, we've been married 14 years. And when we um, lived in Dallas, we were first married and we went to a church that was very involved with Buckner, and which is um, an international ministry, but they do a lot of orphan care work, um, mostly international adoption work, but they um, had some domestic adoption work. And, um, you know, we really watched a lot of our friends start adopting internationally. And so, you know, we kind of talked about it, that maybe that was something we would do down the road. And um, about five years into marriage, we had our first child and then um, very quickly had two more. And so um, kind of shelved all talks of adoption um, for the time being. And then, uh, you know, it didn't really leave our hearts, though. And so when our kids were about two, four and six, I kind of brought the topic up again to my husband. And 
I said, you know, I'm, I've kind of caught my breath and I feel like this is something we can do. And, and he said, well, you know, I haven't really caught my breath yet. I think, <laughs> I, think I need a little more time. And I said, okay, well, you know, let's, let's just keep praying about it and, and we'll talk about it again. And so when our kids were four, six, and eight, he uh, said it was during Lent season. And he said, every Thursday, I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray about some things and adoption is going to be one of them. And I said, well, that's great. You fast and I'm going to eat fast and I will (laughs) pray with you. Uh, You know, I don't really skip many meals, but I'm going to pray and uh, we'll just see where we're at at the end of Lent. And so we ended up going on a date night and uh, really talking about what we felt like the Lord was telling us. And, you know, you would think after that period that, um, the Lord had just written in the sky that this is what we were supposed to do because we had um, really thought about it and talked about it for such a long time. But at the end of that um, season, we really were gripped with a lot of fear. And, um, you know, he had his rational fears of how can we afford four kids? How do I have time for four kids? And I had my more um, female fears of what are people going to think about me? You know, am I trying to save the world? What am I trying to prove? You know, that kind of thing. And so we kind of walked away from that dinner, not really knowing what to do. And then two days later, we went to church and our pastor preached a sermon that was all about your family legacy and what kind of family legacy are you leaving? Um, And are you leaving a legacy out of fear or are you leaving a legacy that you truly, um, you know, want to change your family tree? And I have such a passion to really change my family tree. Um, that's part of my ministry. It's really part of what I want to impart on my biological children. And so Brandon and I just kind of looked at each other. We went home and we just said, we know exactly what the Lord wants us to do. And so um, even though we were obviously still a little bit scared, um, you know, had our fears, we just had faith that this was exactly what the Lord wanted us to pursue. And so we didn't know it was foster care at the time. You know, we just knew it was adoption. But then through talking to different people who were involved in um, adoption and foster care, we kind of looked at our different options and uh, just decided that foster care was the route we were going to take. So what is it about your family tree that you're wanting to shift? Okay. Uh, well, my parents divorced when I was um, very young, like about two years old. And my dad was not really in the picture when I was growing up. And then my mom remarried when I was in middle school and divorced when I was in high school. And, um, you know, through my growing up years, there was just a lot of um, unrest, a lot of dysfunction, you know, moved around a lot growing up. I went to a lot of different schools, lived in different cities. Um, Just a lot of, um, yeah, just a lot of dysfunction there. And um, there was no stability. There was nothing I could really count on, a lot of loneliness. And, um, you know, I want my children to have a safe place, Um, I want them to know that their dad and I are, you know, never getting a divorce, that we are in this for better, for worse, and, um, and that they have a home that is secure and that is safe. You know, I never had a home that was safe. Um, there was, you know, some abuse off and on in, in the different marriages. And then even when I was a freshman in high school, my mom married a third time and then she divorced years after that. So, um, just a lot of marital unrest throughout my life. And um, I never really had a picture of what a solid biblical marriage looked like. Um, you know, didn't have that role model that I could count on. 
Um, but I will say God was very gracious to me. Um, I lived with one particular family my sophomore year in high school, and they um, really took me in as their own. They loved me like a daughter, and um, that was the one time that I really saw, you know, what a Christian family looked like. And I think that kind of spurred me on to say, you know, this is what I want. I want a family that prays at meals. I want to be, you know, a mom who makes breakfast for her kids and, um, you know, ask my kids, have you done your homework? And, you know, just little things like that. They aren't big things, but for your kids to make a huge impact. I love it, Elizabeth. And, you know, I I don't live in your home, but (laughs) as someone from the outside looking in, I just want to say well done. I mean, you are a great mom. And, and, you know, coming from that situation, there could be the tendency to put on a front of being a great mom. But I just really sense from you just um, just a humility and just a really uh, just a connection with the Lord that makes you so authentic and just so in love with your kids and with your family. And you are truly doing that very thing that you are hoping to do. And just, you know, again, from someone from the outside looking in, I just want to say, well, well done. Um, Thank you. Now, you mentioned um, just you and Brandon walking through the process. And I really admire your patience in the process because you went from the kids being two, four and six to then the next time that you really kind of dive into it being four, six and eight. So that's two whole years later. Yes. Um, You were patient in that process. How important is it for a husband and wife to be on the same page when it comes to foster parenting? Oh, it is everything because like I said, it is not easy. Um, You know, these kids, they come with um, a lot of trauma, a lot of baggage. Um, We did respite care, which is, you know, just very short-term care. It can be anywhere from, you know, a couple days to a couple weeks. And, you know, we've done it for some children who had very severe problems. And my husband and I, we... I I was more inclined to do respite care for these particular children. My husband didn't really want to do it. He said we just had a lot on our plates that particular weekend. But I was like, no, we can do this. We can do this. And we did it. And he was absolutely right. We should not have taken it on. Now, had that been a permanent placement, uh, it really would have wreaked havoc on our marriage. So you absolutely have to be on the same page. Um, You're taking on, you know, like I said, just kids with incredible trauma and um, you know, a lot of baggage. Now, some of these children handle it a lot better than the others. And, you know, I, I know some people think, well, we'll take a baby and they won't have as much trauma, but, um, you know, we took a baby and even, even with her, we saw some effects of neglect and, um, you know, that's one thing our caseworker says was even babies come with their own set of trauma and you don't know what's going to show up even years later. So you absolutely have to be on the same page. So you decided after that, your, your pastor shared that sermon, you decided to go ahead and step into foster parenting. How did you do that? Did he already have connections because of his job as an attorney or did you already have connections with people? What, what was your first step? 
Well, we had a friend from college who they had eight children. They had three biological and five they had adopted. So we went to them. Yes, exactly. See, they make our life look easy. (laughs) So we went to them first and they had adopted both internationally and domestic. And so we talked to them about all their experiences and they said, is there anyone in your life who um, is involved in adoption? And we said, there's someone in our life group who works for a foster care and adoption agency. And they said, well, we would advise you to go to her. So we talked to her. And again, we just talked about our family dynamics and our kids' personalities. And um, we just really felt like foster care would be a great fit for us. And we understand that it's risky because these kids come into your home and they could stay a week, they can stay a month, they could stay two years, and then you might have to say goodbye Uh, But we were just willing to take that risk. The more we learned about foster care, the more we realized that um, we, we could take that risk. We could say goodbye if we needed to. The need is so great for these kids to have a stable home. And uh, we just felt like it'd be a great ministry for our children uh, to be able to welcome a child into their home and into their lives and to become a brother and a sister to them and to love them for however long the Lord uh, wanted us to. And so that was just the the route we chose. We talked to our friend who worked for this agency, and then um, she kind of talked to us about what the process was like to get certified to become a foster parent. And so we just went from there. So with three kids who were still relatively young, mm-hmm. did you have concerns about how they would adjust to it, how they would be impacted by it? Uh, we did, but... You know, we had a lot of great conversations with them. Um, again, we we did respite care for a different set of children before we took our own foster child. And um, the second night we had this one child in our home, I remember our youngest son, who had just turned five, he said, um, the little boy's name was Tony, and he said, Mom, I love Tony. I hope we get to keep him. And I just said, honey, that's not the way this works. I told you we were just babysitting Tony and, you know, he has his own family and he's going back to them tomorrow. And my youngest son, Campbell, just started crying and then he was angry at me and it was like he was going through the cycles of grief and it was sad and it was funny and it was, you know, it was all these different things. But I told uh, my husband, I said, it just shows how ready his heart is to bring a child into the home and um, how ready he is to welcome someone. And so I think the Lord fortunately prepared them to welcome someone into our home. And our biggest prayer as we were getting certified to be foster parents was, Lord, prepare our children's hearts for whoever you bring to us and bring the child who is the right fit for our family. So those are the two things we kept praying. And we felt like God's grace would um, prepare our children and would prepare the child he was going to bring to us if we prayed those two things. So you did respite care for a while, and then Cece came into your home. Yes. Did you know she was going to be there for a long period of time, or how did that work? No. When they... when they call you with a child, we got about six calls before she came to us and we said yes. And then they ended up going to different families. And then, um, they finally called us about her and she came in November. And when they call you, they don't give you many specifics and they just tell you age. And, you know, we give them an age range. We would take a child zero to four years old and they just give you the age, the gender, 
um, you know, they told us she had diaper rash and reflux and they told us where she was from. And that's really about it. They tell you if they have siblings or not. And you have about two minutes to decide if you'll take her. And, um, wait, two minutes. Yeah. You really have about two minutes to decide. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, you can take longer, but if you take longer, then she might go to someone else. Right. So, um, cause it's really kind of a lottery. They're calling other families as well. And so, uh, you know, we said, yes, we would take her. And so they bring her to you. And then at that time, they kind of give you more of a full picture of what you're dealing with. Um, when they dropped her off at our house, they, um, I can't remember how long they said, but I think it was a month later in December, we found out we would have her until September. And then, um, in May, it got pretty, um, touch and go. It was the situation had kind of changed. There was a family member in the picture, um, where she might end up going to a family member. And so the whole summer was, it was pretty up in the air, whether or not she would stay with us. And then towards the end of the summer, um, it turned out the family member could not take her. And so then in September is when we found out that she would actually be staying with us. So it is, it's a, it's a roller coaster yes. ride for sure. I, I think we had coffee around May because it was in that time of uncertainty. Yes. Uh, and, and yeah. Wow. So she comes into your home. You, it's been five years since you've had a baby in your house long-term. How did that shake things up? Did you feel pretty prepared? <laughs> Not at all. We had nothing, <laughs> we had nothing for a baby. Cause again, we, you know, we said zero to four. We actually first said only a three or four-year-old because we really were like, you know, we've been there, done that. We are over the baby stage. And we really thought, let someone else take a baby. You know, we've done the baby thing. And and they told us, you know, we have a crib shortage right now. We really need people to take babies. And we thought, you've got to be joking. You know, everybody wants babies. And they said, no, we really need people to take babies. So um, we said, well, we'll take, we'll, we'll offer to take zero to four thinking, surely we'll get like an 18 month old or something. And so, um, we really had nothing. We had no bottles. We had, um, no, a no bouncy seat, you know, nothing for a baby. And we had a crib and that's it. Cause the crib transferred into a bed. And so, uh, the day we got her, our community of friends and our church just rallied around us. Like you wouldn't believe, I mean, within an hour, we had diapers, formula, bottles, a bouncy seat. I mean, everything you can imagine. It looked like babies are us grew up. <laughs> and, and people were so generous and gracious toward us. And it was just such a blessing. I mean, I, I didn't need a baby shower. I didn't need anything. Everybody just showered us with everything we needed. It truly takes a village, I guess, especially yes. when, you know, normally you have nine months to prepare and yes. you had, you know, how, how long did you have from the time that you got the call to the time that they brought her to you? One hour. Are you serious? I was thinking no, you were going to say like hour. a day or two. One hour. No, one hour. They called me at two and they brought her at three and my kids got off the school bus at 3.30. And they had a new baby? And they had a new baby. <laughs> wow. So yes. so were you prepared in that whole journey to at any point in time have your day suddenly and week and month and whatever suddenly shift. Cause surely you had plans that day or plans that week and suddenly everything was totally different. How did you yes. prepare for, you know, that situation? Oh man. You know, it's kind of a blur. I think as all new moms with new babies, it's, it's a blur. I'm trying to think, you know, because we, 
we had gotten certified. I think I had tried to keep my load pretty light as far as commitments go. Um, I remember we're pretty involved with a ministry called Legacy Family Ministries, and we had taken the semester off of that. Um, we weren't teaching Sunday school that um, that particular year. So we had already purposely lightened our load. I remember my writing did um, take a little hiatus. Uh <laughs> So some things naturally fell off um, and then some things just kind of oops fell off. Uh, Yeah. So it was, yeah, it definitely was a little bit of a shock to the system, but I will say we used to joke if God were to give us a baby, he definitely gave us a good baby. She was the sweetest, most easygoing baby ever. I remember we had coffee for a couple hours and she just sat there playing with her little toys. She was just as sweet as could be. She really was a good baby. Okay. So she comes into your house and suddenly you have a baby. Yes. What kind of challenge, challenges, not just having a baby, but just the the idea of foster parenting, what kind of challenges has it presented? Um, I think when we were getting certified, the biggest challenge was people not understanding our decision. Um, because we hadn't been very vocal about our desire to adopt, um, it, it came out of left field for all of our friends and family. Um, and I remember reading this quote by Priscilla Shire. It said, don't let others talk you out of what God is trying to talk you into. Mm. And I really clung to that for a long time um, because people just didn't understand. Now, after she arrived, like I said, people immediately um, rallied around us. And I gained a huge support system from other foster moms that I still um, meet with them and talk to them. And that has been instrumental in um, getting me through the past year. Um, I will say once she came to us, the biggest challenges have been just the loss of control. Mm. Uh, like I said, foster care is a roller coaster and you're truly at the mercy of CPS and the court system. And Uh, you know, you just don't know from day to day or week to week or month to month what's going to happen. And so for someone like me, who is very type A and a planner, you know, I I live and die by my calendar. And uh, it's, it's an adjustment to um, walk this road. But I also think that's been part of the, the joy of the journey is that, you know, I tell people, Cece has taught our whole family to truly um, treasure each day. You know, I think with my older children and a lot of us moms, you know, we think, Oh, I can't wait for them to turn one. I can't wait for them to turn two. I can't wait for them to walk or to feed themselves or to do this, to do that, you know, go to preschool. And, you know, we're always ready for the next stage. And with her, we really just, uh, relished every day with her because we didn't know if we had next week or next month. And so, um, every day was a gift with her and, and I didn't want her to walk. I didn't want her to turn one because I knew then if that day came, we might not have her. And so, um, you know, the loss of control was challenging, but also every day was just a joy with her. I love that. So what, as far as your kids, did they adjust well to suddenly having a new sibling? And um, actually, can I, um, can that question for a second. I want to know, sure. so you specifically said ages zero to four. Yes. Was that specifically so that the foster child would be younger and so yes. that you, there wouldn't be some sort of, you know, uh, coup in the whole birth order thing? Yes. Yes. 
Um, and that's, you know, a lot of foster and adoptive parents do that. You know, they try to keep the birth order. Um, like I said, we did respite care one time and there was a child older than my youngest and it did not go well. Um, my youngest had a really hard time with it. And so it was confirmation that, you know, we needed to kind of stick with birth order. Um, for some families, you know, they kind of chuck the whole birth order thing out the window and it works great for them. But, um, for us, we're glad we did it. Okay. So one thing that really struck me when you were telling me this story in May was as Cece was sitting there and, and everything was up in the air at that point in time, it was sort of mind blowing to me. And I remember coming home and telling my husband about it because it, it, everything was up in the air about, you know, who she was going to live with, whether she was going to go back to the situation that she came from or whether it was going to be a possibility for her to become uh, an official part of your family. Mm-hmm. And it really just blew my mind that's, that right there, you know, the judge or, or whomever mm-hmm. had the power to completely alter her life one way or the other. Yes. And just sitting there, and I don't know if that's going to come across in a podcast as I'm just sharing to you guys listening while you're doing all these other things. But the idea of investing in kids that are in situations that aren't life-giving to them. Um, and, and then, you know, because now she has the option to be a part of your family forever. And her life is going to be radically, radically different. And it's just so inspiring to me, so moving to me to think about how differently she's going to grow up. All of the hardship and pain and things that she won't know and won't have to deal with Mm -hmm. because you stepped in and you know yeah and i just think that's a a powerful testimony you you gave up ease and comfort of having your family all nice and perfectly set and you know in you know everything just the way you like it your kids were four or five at the time and the youngest were and you could have just kind of skated on through but instead you Mm -hmm. kind of stepped out of that comfort zone into this great thing that God had for you and who knows what he's going to do with her life now. Not that he couldn't have done it in the other situation, but yeah. I just love, um, I just love that story and I love what you're doing. Um, so for moms listening who are like, wow, I want to be a part of this. I want my family to be a part of this. How can they get involved in foster care? Um, well, there are many private agencies all over Texas and the U.S., uh, you know, we went through an agency called Arrow Children and Family Ministries, uh, but there are many others. There's Circles of Hope, A World for Children, the Bear Foundation. You know, I think if you just get online and Google, you know, private foster agency, um, private adoption agency, you know, I think if you just go straight adoption, it probably takes longer to get a child versus just going foster care. Um, and like I said, you know, there is the risk with foster care that they would have to leave your home. Um, but I will say to the, the richness and the reward that our family has experienced, it's been so great for our kids. That's one thing my husband and I have said over and over again is that, you know, we can go do a service project once a year, but, um, what we were finding was our kids weren't getting a whole lot of, out of it and they weren't enjoying it. They were like protesting every time we were going to do a church service project. But when we have brought kids into our home, it has made for such rich conversation. And, um, you know, when we had to take Cece to family visits and our son would see a boy his age walking into the building and he said, mom, what's he doing here? 
And I said, honey, there are kids your age who are foster kids. And it was blowing his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just been so such a great teaching tool on ministry for our own children too. Um, so anyway, you can go online, you can find, you know, private agencies, but you can also get certified directly through CPS, through Children, uh, Child Protective Services, or I think in some cities that's called um, Department of Family Protective Services. Um, so you can get certified in those ways as well. And all you have to do to get certified is um, you take a certain number of classes and you get, you know, CPR certified, you have to get fingerprinted and do a background check. And so it's really not too hard. Uh, I think they do a home study and it took us from start to finish about six months to get certified. I know some families do it in three months. Some families take about a year to get certified. So you can kind of do it on your own timetable as quickly or as slow as, as you want to take. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you share that, I, I was thinking about how, you know, you said there's always a chance that the child will have to, to leave your home. But earlier you were sharing your story and how yes. when you were in high school, you stayed with a family and yes. that for a short period of time and that experience had a big impact on you. And so I don't want to underestimate the value of foster parenting for short periods of time, whether it turns into adoption or not. Right. Just that experience of what could be. Right. Could you be can the thing s- that shifts something for them. Right. You can have such a huge impact. You know, I just I have a foster friend or a foster parent friend and they kept some kids for about 18 months, a, gr- a sibling group of three and had to say goodbye to them. But she said, um, you know, the good thing is uh, two of them accepted Christ. And so their eternity has changed forever. And I know it was heartbreaking for her to say goodbye. But at the same time, like she said, these kids eternity has changed forever. And so she'll always have that to cling to. Okay, I have goosebumps and I'm about to cry. <laughs> so that is so powerful. And just the courage that it took for her to step into that situation, knowing that they might leave and then to watch them go. But yeah. at the same time, the peace that she had and the impact that she was able to make in their lives. I love that. Right. Um, okay, so I want to just go into a fun little group of questions, asking okay. you some of your favorite things, because okay. I love hearing about other people's favorite things. I know that everybody listening probably loves finding new resources and things. So uh, what is your favorite parenting or faith book? Okay, my favorite parenting book would be Raising Your Spirit and Child. Uh, I have one spirited child in particular, so <laughs> it's kind of a niche book. But if you have a spirited child in your life, um, that would be my go-to resource for you. All right. And what is your current favorite song, artist, or album, however particular you like to be? Well, I always love the song How He Loves by David Crowder. Mm. But I will say our family favorite right now is Whip May May. What's that song? Whip Nene? I don't know. I'm so not cool. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. It's okay. It's I'll have kid, to look it it's up. The kid's favorite. Yeah. You have to look up Whip Nene. Okay. So it, ha- it has a dance that goes to it. They all do it. Even Cece, she only Nene's. She doesn't whip. Only. <laughs> now my listeners know, all know how uncool uh, I am, <laughs> but I'm about to get cool because I'll look it up. Okay. All right. Your favorite movie to watch with your kids? Okay. Well, we have. I would say two. We have the classic Sound of Music. Mm. But then our summer, more contemporary favorite, we've been watching Descendants. I haven't heard of that one. Oh, well, it was on the Disney Channel. So if you watch Disney, it's been all over. I will have to check it out. And your favorite book to read with your kids? Well, because, you know, we have mixed genders and 
you know, broad ages, probably the only one we can agree on would be the Jesus Storybook Bible. Mm, that's a good but, one. Yes, but we all love it. And even if I'm reading it to my six-year-old, my 10-year-old will even stop what he's doing and come read it with us. So I love it. We have the CD. There's a, yes. you can get it with the CD. And so we listen to that in the car. Yes. A lot. Love yes. it. All right. Well, um, Elizabeth, where can people find you online? Where can they get your books? Okay. Well, I have a website, elizabethoats.com. My last name is O-A-T-E-S. And then dealing with, dealing with divorce is on my website, but you can also get it on Amazon. And then my new book, If You Could See As Jesus Sees, will be coming out in January. And it will be available on Amazon as well. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today, Elizabeth. Yes, thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I know that there are a million things that you could be doing right now, and I hope that this episode has encouraged you. You know, if you have any questions or suggestions for me, just head over to inspiredtoaction.com and click the contact button to send me an email. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to do whatever I can to get the resources that you need to keep growing as a mom. And if you enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you would take a minute to rate it on iTunes. That's going to help more moms to find it and get the encouragement that they need. And as always, you can check out all the show notes for this session at inspiredtoaction.com. And you can also download any of our free ebooks or our free prayer calendars for moms at the blog. Just go to inspiredtoaction.com and click on the resources link. And my name is Kat Lee, and I wish you an incredible day with your family. And remember, you're a mom. You're kind of a big deal. Now go be awesome. It's early in the morning, the house is quiet. But I've set aside this time for you. I bow before the throne of a noble king. And in this place, my heart begins to sing. It's gonna be a good day, a good day filled with His grace, His grace and sweet new mercies. May my thoughts obey Jesus to walk in.